0: join uf hall of famer and 14-year nfl vet shane matthews every weekday as he brings you all you need to know about your florida gators including news analysis and opinions with some of the biggest names in sports find us on spotify apple podcast google podcast or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts or watch us live at 8 a.m on facebook youtube and twitter
1: That's correct. It doesn't matter in terms of the division. And there's still a, a chance. We're trying to work through this to see if, if the Jaguars lose to the Titans and finish. It. Let's say they beat Houston Sunday, lose to Tennessee. Could they get the seventh spot? Could they be a card team at, at eight and nine? We're still trying to work through that. Miami's eight and seven, um, so they they would certainly need help. But, uh, but I, I think the path for Jacksonville is exactly what you're saying. Just, you know, go beat Tennessee at home in the finale and you win the AFC South. So it, from that standpoint, yes, the games this coming week are meaningless for both teams. The Jaguars will know what the Titans did. They play Thursday night in Nashville against Dallas. And then the Jaguars go to Houston on Sunday. Um, but, yes, yeah, basically the AFC South is going to come down to whoever wins the finale in two weeks.
0: Um when, when you look at – so if the Jags win the division, and I know we're still looking ahead, but who possibly would they be playing? They,
1: right now it would be the Ravens, who are 10-5. and five. They're the five seed. So the, the Jaguars, uh, if they're – I mean, whoever wins the AFC South is going to be the four seed. They're going to be the weakest division champion in the AFC. So they'll be the four, and they'll play the five. And right now that's the Ravens, who are a game up on the Chargers. So uh, if Baltimore uh, you know, were to win out but not be able to catch Cincinnati because they're a game back of, of Cincinnati in the AFC North race, then they would remain the five. So it, it's going to be – I think if, if you're the Jaguars, you'd like it to stay where it is now because uh, I think you'd rather face the Ravens, who you've already beaten in Jacksonville this season – Uh, instead of having the Ravens win the North. And now here comes Joe Burrow and Cincinnati rolling into Jacksonville in the wild card round.
0: Yeah, you don't want any piece of Joe Burrow and the Bengals. They are – he's as good as I've seen, man. He's going to be a star. Well, he already is a star. All right, so let's look at the Jags. I mean, as I just said, uh, what Doug Peterson has done has been phenomenal after the nightmare of a season last year, what happened – What's been the biggest difference in your mind? You're around these guys. You go, you know, interview them in the locker room and what have you. What's been the biggest difference in your mind?
1: I, I really think it is what you mentioned. I think it's the trust that Doug Peterson was able to build back uh, among the players, and that trust was fractured. And you know, he he really went out of his way in the off-season program to. Uh, make it very player friendly uh, and, and gave them some time off when he felt like they'd really answered the bell for him. Uh, and, and I think that just bled over to, to training camp. They had a, an outstanding training camp. And, and Doug Peterson, I think he's just, he was the ideal hire. He, he's played, obviously, uh, you know, like you, he, he had a long NFL career. And so I think he sees it from the player's side. And in the you know the other part of Doug that's been so beneficial is he's an offensive mind and he's been able to scheme things up unlike any coach that the Jaguars have had since the 90s. I mean he's he's been remarkable, and so he's really been able to help Trevor Lawrence develop. And and the other thing is you know he's kept them together. They they played five games in October. They lost all five. Uh, They were all close games, and it took them from a two and one start to a, a two-and-six start, but, you know, they, they hung in. And because Tennessee has really faltered down the stretch, they're right back in this thing, having won three in a row and, and four of their last five.
0: We got a text on the Titanomar text line for you, Hayes. Uh, it comes from Frank. He says, well, do you think the Jaguars hold any players out or reduce their playing time to protect them for the upcoming games since this week's not critical? I mean, I guess it is That's when you the- talk about what we, we mentioned earlier. But they're not going to do that, right? I don't think so. That's the million-dollar
1: question, and I was curious to get your perspective on it from you know from from the player side of it because I, I certainly could see it. Um, the game doesn't mean anything in terms of the division, so you know, would you go ahead and, and rest guys? But I think what Doug Peterson is going to end up doing—he's he's sort of hinted at this is I think he feels like they've got a lot of momentum, and he's Correct. afraid of taking his foot off the gas, and so I think they're going to go uh to houston like they've got to have the game and so uh we'll see if if that's the right strategy but i i think the plan is going to be go to houston play everybody that can play and uh and try and win a game getting getting the nine wins and and having a winning season which they can still do they could finish at nine and eight if they win their final two i think that that means a lot to doug peterson so uh, I I think they're going to go and and do everything they can to to beat Houston, but they do have a couple players like Trayvon Walker and Foley Fatacasi along that defensive front that are uh, that have been uh, you know uh, battling injuries, didn't play in the win over the Jets. So maybe guys like that don't play, but I think that would be more in line with just because they they're not cleared. I I think if they're cleared, they're going to play.
0: I agree. John says on Facebook Live, oh, brought to you by Mental Law. Jags are on a roll. You don't mess with that. Yeah, I, I don't. I see him. I mean, they're they got such as you mentioned, such great momentum going right now. Uh, I think they continue to play. And plus, haven't they lost nine straight games to the Houston Texans? They have. That's crazy when you think about it. It is. It, um, it really
1: is. Yeah, because the it, Texans it, have barely it, beaten anybody else, and and they've <laughs> they've snapped a lot of streaks this year. That would be another one. That uh, Doug Peterson loved to get uh, broken, so he doesn't have to, you know, ever be asked about it again. But they had, you know, a long losing streak to the NFC. It was an NFL record, 20-game losing streak to the NFC. They broke that when they beat Dallas the other day. Uh, they they have a terrible record winning on the West Coast. They they snapped that in in week three when they won at Los Angeles Chargers. They, uh, you know, so they've had a number of these things. They had one in Nashville. They hadn't beaten Tennessee in Nashville since twenty thirteen. They they were able to break that streak. So uh, I think it'll be a motivating factor for the Jaguars to to snap that inexplicable losing skid to one of the, you know, really most struggling franchise in the league, but they haven't struggled against the Jaguars.
0: Hey Chris Doring Mortgage, they do Mortgage lending Right, helping home buyers throughout Gainesville and North Central Florida. Call Chris Doring Mortgage today at three five two two four four zero eight four zero. few more minutes with Hayes Carline from 1010XL over in Jacksonville, talking to the little Jaguars. Um, Before we switch to the defense, offensively, they got some weapons, man. I mean, I I watch them, and they just have playmakers. But if you were in charge of this football team going into the offseason, we're already jumping ahead, even though they have an opportunity to make the playoffs. What do you think they need to do on the offensive side of the football to make the team better? Yeah, it's a great question. They they've sort
1: of already made their their I think what's going to be their biggest acquisition. They traded for Calvin Ridley uh, right before the deadline. Uh the talented receiver uh out of Atlanta who is suspended for this season because of uh you know, betting on a game. Um so he he's ineligible to play, but is expected to be reinstated in the off season. And so Calvin Ridley will give them another big time weapon at receiver. Uh, assuming Calvin Ridley, you know, not playing for a year, is able to to get back to the form that, that he showed prior to the suspension. You know, that would give them Calvin Ridley, Christian Kirk, and Zay Jones. Uh, you know, that's a that's, you know, pretty pretty good trio. And, you know, you'd like to see them bring back Evan Ingram, who's on a one-year deal here now. So uh, in terms of adding to it, uh, there's, there's some that believe in the first round they could take a tight end, the, the Notre Dame kid Meyer makes sense but I, I think they'll go probably more at corner with that pick so i think the biggest offensive piece that they're going to be bringing in this off season they've already acquired in ridley so they're, they're they don't have a ton of cap space unlike most years so i wouldn't think there's a whole lot else that that comes offensively other than you know they they certainly could use uh, a premium pick on that side of the ball and, and no one would complain but uh, really, it's going to be retaining some of the guys that they want to hold on to. You know, Evan Ingram is, is going to be a, 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 an interesting one. He wants to stay here, uh, loves playing for Peterson, but he's had a nice year. He's got 68 catches for 723 yards and four touchdowns, really has been hot lately. and uh, And again, on a one-year deal, the Jaguars could franchise tag him. But uh it'll be interesting to see what happens there. So a, a lot of it really is is kinda hanging on to the guys they have. You know, they love ETN at running back. Uh the offensive line is, is in pretty good shape. They'll have to make a decision at right tackle with Jawan Taylor, but they do have an in house option in Walker Little. So it's it's gonna be it's gonna be really intriguing to see what they do. But Calvin Ridley is uh is the big ticket item.
0: You know, I don't follow the Jaguars closely, but I, I like all their weapons, as you said. And when they add Ridley to the mix, boy, that offense could be really, really good. I don't even know who backs up Travis Etienne, but I feel like they need another kind of a veteran-type guy who's played in the league for a while. Who is the backup to Etienne?
1: Yeah, it's Jamichael Hasty, who hasn't done much. Um, you know, they traded James <laughs> Robinson to the Jets. Uh, before the deadline, and Robinson didn't really do anything in New York, um, but it did leave a, a, a void there. And uh, so Hasty's been serving as the backup, uh, and, and his numbers aren't bad, but I would agree with you. I think they need to go and, and get a more physical back. Etienne's a, had a great year. He's right at 1,000 yards rushing. Um, so he's, he's done great coming off the, the Liz Frank injury that he <laughs> suffered his rookie year. But um but they do need, you know, somebody else in there. They drafted Snoop Connor uh in the uh fifth round this, this past draft. They haven't really given him the ball. Uh he did get it a couple times the other night, but he's only got seven carries on the year. So, you know, that's that's something that it I, I could see them adding. And you can do that now for a pretty inexpensive price. Go get a proven veteran and uh, you know, bring him in with you know, giving him thirty five percent of the workload. So you know that that is a need, and and luckily for the Jaguars, that's a need that you don't have to break the bank to to acquire now.
0: Yeah, uh, another text here for you, Hayes, on the Titan Mark text line from George. He says, "Do you think Doug Peterson has a chance to win Coach of the Year?" I don't. It's, I don't think so. It's a great question, and if the season
1: was you know twenty games instead of seventeen, maybe he'd get a little bit more hype for that because the Jags have just come on in the last few weeks. Um, But I would be surprised if he'll he'll probably get some votes. Um, But uh, but you look at you know what Sirianni has done in Philadelphia with a you know 13 and two team and I you know and there and there's some others as well. You know Shanahan in San Francisco has won 11 games with losing two quarterbacks. Um, You know certainly uh, you know Buffalo McDermott's going to get some attention. You know uh, those awards you know usually go to the the teams that are. You know, really at the at the front of the line in terms of victory. So, um, you know, even if the Jaguars win the AFC South, they'll be nine and eight. That's probably not going to uh, be enough to warrant Coach of the Year honors. But, uh, but he certainly has done a magnificent job, and uh, the Jaguars really do seem to be on their way with Peterson and and Trevor Lawrence to to maybe having the league's next truly really great partnership between a head coach and a young quarterback.
0: I have a question here regarding last year. Obviously, as you said, you, you you cover the Jaguars a lot. You're in the locker rooms doing press conferences and interviews with players. And what is the biggest difference? And I know there's a huge difference, and this may be a silly question, but what's the biggest difference between when you were dealing last year when Urban was the coach to how Doug Peterson handles the press and, and an NFL team? I just think Urban never
1: really got it you know he just he just never really understood the the player's perspective um how to how to motivate the players and and really i think i, I surprisingly i i just don't think urban meyer was is is well read on the nfl as he kind of sold himself he really had trouble building a staff and i think you know that was the first warning sign uh, there you know so everything they did was stagnant there wasn't a lot of creativity um and and it was pretty obvious that he lost their trust pretty early on and you know and then he just made some inexplicable mistakes personally like you know not flying back with the team after they lose on national television in primetime at cincinnati and uh you know so i mean it, it just was a disaster from start to finish but i i think even if he hadn't had the off the field stuff Urban just wasn't prepared, which shocked me because he was always, you know, incredibly prepared as a collegiate coach. But uh, it just it just didn't seem like he had done any of the studying that he had talked about when he was hired. And he, he just really had trouble relating to the players. And, uh, again, that's probably been Doug Peterson's biggest strength is, is he's been able to get everybody rowing in the same direction again. And, and,
0: you know, now they've really taken off. Yeah, Urban was used to having the best players in the entire game, uh, you know, at all the colleges, it was it. You know, at Florida and at Ohio State, he had the, the pick of the litter, where in the NFL, right. ain't that, that ain't the case. you got to really coach them up. Um, defensively, you said that, you know, they may need to go corner in the draft. What, what other – what has stood out to you uh, on a positive note so far defensively, and what do they need to do better in these next two games or the last game uh, defensively to beat the Titans?
1: Yeah, I think defensively, it's
0: there. There's been some.
1: Tyson Campbell's a good story. Uh, he's a second year uh, corner out of Georgia that they selected at the first pick in the second round. Uh, he's really come on and played well. Uh, they've they've had some valuable free agent additions. Uh, Foye Aluakon at, at middle linebacker leads the NFL in tackles. They brought him in from Atlanta on a free agent deal. So they've done some nice things. I still think the defense is ultimately probably going to be the, the fatal flaw in in what ends their season they just uh i think schematically they've they've had some issues and the second uh corner spot has been a real problem all year uh they were counting on shaq griffin he's their highest paid player in terms of the cap uh he he just didn't get off to a good start and then got put on ir and they've pretty much given up on him so uh, it created a situation where that opposite corner spot has been a problem all year. It's been a little bit better lately because Darius Williams has done a nice job out there, but it, then it leaves them vulnerable at nickel. So the biggest hole on the roster is cornerback outside of Tyson Campbell. They really need to get uh, a, a partner for Tyson Campbell out there uh, to strengthen their their coverage. But, you know, they've done some nice things. Trayvon Walker, the the numbers don't pop. I think he's had a nice rookie year. I, I think he's been disruptive. Uh, I, he, he made a huge turnover in the win in Nashville uh, to kind of get that uh, mini comeback started. The Titans got off to a 7 nothing lead, 14-7 lead in that game. Trayvon Walker strip sacks Ryan Tannehill, Dewan Smoot recovers it, and uh, that kind of sparked the the Jaguars. They score off that turnover and so Trayvon Walker's done some nice things. Devin Lloyd, the other first-round pick at linebacker, has started to figure some things out. Uh, so they've got some young talent there, but really need some corner help. So I, I think that that's probably going to be the priority when we look at the draft for the uh, Jaguars, because again, they don't have a lot of free agent money. They're 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 pretty tight against the cap, so they're not, they're not going to be able to go and spend big at corner.
0: Um, hey, is the game against the Titans in Jacksonville in two weeks? Is it? Have they flipped it to the the Sunday night game, or are they not doing that?
1: They certainly could do that. I, my understanding is there's three windows for uh, kind of standalone games that weekend. It's like Saturday afternoon at 4:30, Saturday night, and then Sunday night. And so the the biggest competition that the Jaguars are going to have. Uh, for prime time viewership in the finale is the uh, Cincinnati-Baltimore game is uh, is week 18, and that could decide the at North. There's a good chance Cincinnati is one game up, so uh, if if they're still a game up on the Ravens, or, or could even be tied. But uh, the only thing that that could lessen that matchup is if Cincinnati has locked up the division. The Ravens are in the playoffs, so they're guaranteed of that. So there may not be anything really at stake, um, which would make the Jaguar-Titan game more attractive. Um, So that's that's really the one that right now I would think Ravens-Bengals get Sunday night football, and maybe Jaguars-Titans get uh, flexed into Saturday night uh, in that window. That wouldn't really be ideal for the Jaguars. It would put them on a short week. And the mm-hmm. Titans play Thursday night, so they'd have a little extra rest. Um, so that, you know, from a scheduling standpoint, it wouldn't be ideal. Uh, there, and there's some other matchups that the league could potentially look at. Um, Tampa Bay and Atlanta might <laughs> uh, decide the NFC South, and obviously that's Tom Brady. So there, there is a, I'd say, a strong chance that the Jaguar Titans game gets flexed into a, an exclusive window. Uh, but it, I think they're, uh, they may even I. I think that decision may have to come out today. So it's something that we might have some clarity on that uh, at 4 o'clock this afternoon.
0: What are the uh, tickets going for right now for that game?
1: Yeah, it's it's definitely spiked uh, in the last <laughs> couple of weeks, so uh, I can't wait. I think it's going to be a, a phenomenal environment, um, particularly I think since people know they have two weeks' notice that the game is going to be for the AFC South title. Um, you yeah. know, nothing that, you know, like we talked about earlier, nothing that happens this weekend is going to take that off the table. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, you wanted meaningful football in Jacksonville. This is about as meaningful as it gets in terms of the regular season. You're playing your arch rival in your house for a chance to win the division. Uh, you got to think that that crowd is going to be – uh, incredibly intense and, uh, and and jacked out of their mind. So I I can't wait. I think it's going to be a tremendous environment in Jacksonville. And you know, unlike a lot of these games, the Titans fans don't really travel. So it should be all teal and black, not you know uh, almost a neutral field environment like uh, the Jaguars had you know uh, well several times, but most recently when they beat Dallas.
0: Yeah. Uh, before we let you go, switch gears to college football. The Gator Bowl is being played. Um... Friday afternoon i think three thirty Notre Dame south carolina uh should be a great turnout have those those uh fans started rolling into Jacksonville yet
1: yeah, and that's awesome that you're uh broadcasting the game with uh frank Franzi. that'll be uh that'll be a lot of fun um yeah i think uh i th- yeah i I think South carolina really uh is gonna turn out in massive numbers, which will be very exciting and i and I have to think Notre Dame's gonna have you know a pretty good amount of of fans there as well so you know, in terms of bowl game environments, I think you guys got a phenomenal matchup there because South Carolina, you know, is obviously incredibly excited about their direction as they should be with wins over Tennessee and Clemson. And Notre Dame shook off a tough start to the season to to rally. So, yeah, that should be a great game. And, you know, absolutely, I think you're going to see a lot of excited Gamecocks in, in Jacksonville.
0: Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. Hayes, appreciate your time. Let everybody know. Uh, you're on with Frank Frangie in the afternoons, but I know you write a bunch of articles that are probably on websites, on Twitter, all that good stuff, how people uh, can read your work.
1: Thanks, Shane. Yeah, you can uh, find my blogs at uh, 1010xl.com. And uh, yeah, you can listen to the Frangie show. Uh, we're on three to six uh, every day. We've got some vacation this week, but normally uh, when, we're, when we're all there, it's, uh, it's three to 6 p.m. Monday through Friday.
0: Good stuff, my man. Appreciate it. Happy uh, New Year. Happy New Year, Shane. Thanks so much. Take care. Yep, that's Hayes Carline joining us on the Titan Amara Hotline. We appreciate him taking the time to talk a little Jags. A lot of excited Jag fans around the country and over in Jacksonville. We're going to take a quick time out, come back. We'll be joined with a guy that excited a lot of Gator fans back in the day. Coach Kerwin Bell of the Western Carolina Catamounts will join us on the Titan Amara Hotline. You're watching and listening to Pato Matthews in the morning. We want to take this moment to thank our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. Our premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Titan MRI, Gainesville's only locally owned and operated MRI facility. Meldon Law, the only official injury and accident law attorneys of the Florida Gators. Peaceland Dental, Gator Nation's first choice for dentistry in Port Charlotte. Comfort Temp, comfort is our business, peace of mind is our promise. Campus USA Credit Union. QC Kinetics, Live pain free with QC Kinetics. Dave and Buster's eat, drink, play, and watch. Our gridiron sponsors are AutoER, UF Bookstores, Celebration Point Town Center, Chris Doring Mortgage, Silverback Concrete Co., Ruse Ogre State Farm Insurance, Doreen Weeby Realtor, Caldwell Banker, MM Parrish. Our touchdown sponsors are Adam's Ribs, Gator Domino's, Celebrate Primary Care, Gator Bait Media, Okito America. Style Cuts, Ironwood Golf Course, Big Mills Cheesesteak, McDonald's of Gainesville, 84 Lumber, Tropical Smoothie Cafe, Aver and Smith, Dowling Signs, Baker's Sporting Goods, Silver Cube Billiards, and Sports Bar. If you're interested in promoting your business on the show, call Freddie at 352-284-3733. If you like what we're doing here, make sure to follow us and support the businesses that support us. Welcome back to the Crime Prevention Security System Studios, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Celebration points where the Gators go to celebrate with premium brands like Nike, International Diamond Center, David Buster's, Palmetto Moon, Escape Apology, Visor's Rooftop, and the HBC's restaurants, Furrier's Gridiron Grill, the number one celebrity polished casual restaurant in America. We'll see you at Celebration Point where the Gators go to celebrate. We're going to head back to the Titanomar Hotline now. We're going to be joined by former Gator, and now the head football coach of the Western Carolina Catamounts, Coach Kerwin Bell. Good morning, Kerwin. How are you, my man?
2: Good morning, Shane. Doing
0: good. Going to get a little cold up here, but um, other than
2: that, doing uh, okay. Um,
0: I wanted to get you on. Obviously, um, you're in year two at Western Carolina, uh, much improved from year one. Although you don't, you only had about a month or two to prepare because you were hired after spring ball. Uh, just talk a little bit about your season and how your program has progressed.
2: Well, we're excited. You know, we uh, we just finished up our, our early recruiting this year, and um, uh, looks like we may be a uh, first in, in the SoCon and recruiting again this year. Uh, we in our first year after the one in ten team, we came in and, and we had the number one class in the SoCon in recruiting. Um, And so we're excited about the two classes that we've put together. Um, Some of those guys from the first class played played this year for us. Our three best players by far were were three true freshmen, you know, so a running back, a quarterback receiver. So we're excited about that young group. We're excited about the way our team is is coming together. Um, I believe there's a process that's been great that I've been able to go through now four of these um, sort of rebuilds. And um, I can see that we've got a great foundation uh, built with talent and um, we've got a great culture that's built right now. And I'm going to see that. The last three games of the season, we won the last three and um, you know, beat the number 15 team in the country in FCS and Chattanooga. Um, and we did it because we started playing together as a team. And early on when you're building a program, a lot of times you play as individuals
0: because you've got so many new players.
2: You know, you're bringing so many new guys onto your roster. You're turning the roster over, um, trying to get the guys that you want to be here. And um, and so then you hope you then can come together as a football team and start playing as a football team and um, have that DNA that you got to have to win a championship. And we started to see that the last three games of this season. And so we're excited about going into the off season with this young group and, um, and having a chance. I think championship or bust, that's sort of what we're saying. There's no excuses. We've played now. We've been through some tough losses. I think you've got to go through as a something if you want to sort of mature and, and get to the point where you got that DNA to win a championship. I think we you know, we got our butt kicked a couple of times this year, and I think it's made us grow as a program, and I think we're in shape now going into our, our year year number three.
0: Yeah, Kurt, I want you to touch on, you know, about uh, the culture and turning over your the, the roster because Jesse's got a question here. Not a question, but a comment on Facebook Live. Brought to you by Mountain Law. It says Shane, did you hear the interview with a current Napier kid who was asked about the kids going into the portal? And his response was, "Napier asked a lot, has asked us a lot to do a lot, and you know, be accountable, blah blah blah, all that kind of stuff." And some kids, some coaches, um, you know, have, they they run their programs different. So basically, Billy is running his program much different than Dan Mullen did, and some kids can't you know, get accustomed to that. Kind of the same thing, you took over a program. I don't even know who the coach there was for you. We don't know what kind of program. He got fired for a reason. Um, but you have to turn that stuff over to get your type of players in there, correct?
2: Yeah, you're right. And, and, you know, I think the portal's been good for everybody. I don't really like it, but, you know, the one thing it does it gives kids the chance somewhere else when you do have a turnover like, like we had here and at Florida, um, you know, you got kids that just don't fit in what you're, what you want, and and uh, sometimes you know the kid, um, uh, the kid don't like being held accountable as much as maybe I, I'm going to hold him accountable. Um, you know, we talk about it after the season. I, I meet with every player, our our coaches do, and we sort of just be up front with them. Shane, I, I used to, you know, really didn't say a lot, just sort of let it work, work its way out. I've been more aggressive the last couple of time over programs about us State and here. In that man, I'm just gonna be as honest as I can and really communicate with you because, listen, if a kid don't fit your program, don't fit what you want to do offensively, is not the kind of kid that you want in your program, the culture that you want to build there, then what you're doing is you you not to probably play the kid a lot, so it's better for him to go somewhere where he's got a chance to really be good, you know, because he'll fit somewhere else, he'll he'll do a you know have a great career somewhere else, so. Make sure you're honest. That's what I do is just try to be up front as, as, as honest as I can. What it does now, it t- turns your roster over in a hurry. I think that's probably happening with Coach Napier a little bit at Florida. He's turning that thing over because there's a lot of guys that realize that they just don't fit with what they want to do there. And uh, it's good for them. They don't go play and so do really well, but I think Coach Napier knows what the kind of people he wants. And, and to me, Shane, that's the biggest thing about building a program. I've seen in the four times I've done it. You've got the ones that don't are not successful is because they don't have a conviction of how they want to run their program they don't have a conviction on the kind of players they truly want um if you have a conviction on what you want offensively and defensively and the kind of players you want to recruit then then going through tough times and tough losses you won't waver I see a lot of guys start wavering when they go through tough times and sure enough you don't have some tough times when you're trying to build a program I mean we lost three games before we won the last three we, it seemed like we were on direction, but I know the kind of players I'm going to recruit. I'm not going to waver in that. I have a strong conviction in the kind of players I'm going to win with, offensively, defensively, and on special teams. So, when you have that kind of conviction and how you want to run your program, then then you'll continue in that process no matter what what happens. And I think if you do that, then you got a chance to to build programs the way we've been able to do it.
0: No doubt about it. Uh, Jimmy has a question for you here on the Titanmore text line regarding the NIL. He says, Kerwin, I'd like to get your thoughts on the NIL. And is it much NIL given out at your level of football?
2: We didn't near as much in our recruiting process. You know, we're trying to get kids out of high school. Uh, that very seldom hardly comes up. I mean, we've had some questions from parents. But there's not a war going on, you know, as far as handing out money at this level. There is some kids that once you they get to this level, they um, you know, we've probably got three or four on our roster that have some NIL deals. They're real small, but they um they have those deals. But I think the big part is the, the recruiting part. We don't have to have to worry about that, you know, during recruiting.
0: Do you think um, you know, because y'all y'all can have some really good players. You you recruit the state of Florida, especially South Florida very hard. But, you know, you hear so many high school coaches today with, with the transfer portal, how it's killing recruiting kids out of high school. Now, obviously, your five stars are still going you know, to get a lot of attention. But, you know, those two and th- those gems that are hidden there that, that, that the big boys in the past would have taken a chance on, whereas now they're taking an established player out of the portal. Are you able to get pick up some of those kids because of the transfer portal uh, kind of hurting high school recruiting?
2: Shane, that's what I think. I think that the big thing when you go to any university, what you got to do is you got to find your niche. If you're if you're just out there looking around and just you know happen to recruit a guy here or there, and and you don't understand what your niche is or where you're you're gonna be uh, really successful at, uh, you've got to find that. And every every, every university's different. when I got here, I started you know first thinking portal maybe because it was something new. It was something maybe we could get attract players to come. Uh, I started seeing right away the you know Chattanooga, and some of those teams were getting better porter players um Sanford they got a great grad program so they get a lot of great grad students uh, I've seen where we really started uh, you know our sort of niche was getting those high school kids uh, we've got such great connections in Florida and man those high school coaches down there they are they're excited about our program you know they, they, we had a lot of play for us about our state from from the state of Florida to help us win a national championship, and so those guys there are so many. Like you're saying, there's so many kids out there that are going to have an offer. You know, they had offers, uh, they asked offers, and now they they're there without any because teams are going to the portal instead of recruiting the high school kids. So we said, hey, let's jump in and let's these great high school kids. It's going to take a little bit more, but I that's what I love to do. I love to young men, you know, and I love to do it as you, when they're young get them in your program, keep them there. And so we went with that and, and I think it's been great for us. Like I said, we've had the number one, you know, recruiting class the last two years. And I think we were number three in the country uh, this year in the nation. So that's been our niche and that's what we've been successful. Now, listen, what we got to do now is keep these guys, right? Uh, we brought a running back in there, Desmond Reed, who, who was a, pre- a freshman All-American and, um, you know, now we gotta be able to retain these guys and keep them here for three or four years. And I think if we do that, then then you'll see us have a season and and program, you know, as far as winning winning championships.
0: Are you in the market to buy or sell your home? Doreen Weavy, a realtor with Caldwell Banker, m m Parish, provide you fast, friendly, reliable service. Give her a call at 352-562-1411 to help your dreams come true. A few more minutes with Coach Kerwin Bell from Western Carolina. Um, we got a couple of questions here on Facebook Live for you, Kerwin. Um, let's see here greg says do all the traits and players you want to recruit show up on film or or are they found in one on one meetings
2: well we 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 were in sort of in two categories you know first they gotta, you got you got to be a we tell our coaches when they when you turn on that film they back I well, got better be uh, talented enough on that film to say that we can win a championship with them. uh no I'm not a stretch or reach for anything. We want a kid that we know can help us physically, talent-wise, win a championship, of course. But then that's just the start of the process, Shane. I believe, listen, you can have a bunch of talented kids uh, and you can go win a few games, but you're never going to win a championship without talent actor and without guys who are great leaders. And so that's our process then when we start, hey, this kid's talent enough to, to come to us he, he can, on film, he shows that he physically can help us win a championship. Now, is he, is he a self-starter? Does he have great character? Is he a team uh, leader? Uh, you know, does he, is he very unselfish? Uh, we really go, we talk to counselors. I tell my coaches, you better do research, and I better know all those characteristics about a kid because if you have those kind of kids that are very talented that also have those, have those characteristics, then you got a chance to put together a team that's going to win a championship.
0: John asked here on Facebook Live, brought to you by Melon Law. Curran, what is the hardest position to evaluate and project to the next level?
2: Well, I talked to my son, Cage. You know, we were recruiting these quarterbacks, Shane. You know, this is that man. You, you see the physical ability. You know, you see the arm talent. Um, but that it factor, that is something that, man, you just cannot – you, you sort of find out, you know, he's tough and he's got some of those intangibles that you're looking for. Uh, he's a leader, you know, all those things. But there's something about this thing at quarterback. I don't think you can coach it. I don't find it until you get him here and you get him in, you get him, you him. know, around your team and see how you interact. Now when it's tough and you're in a game, tough game, and how a guy can come through for you. Uh, that's that it factor, you know, and um, we think we got one, man. He's from, you know, Billy Gonzalez's son. Uh, man, we were called and down there in Florida, and I think he's got that it factor. And that's what I look for because you can have all the talent in the world, but if you don't have that it factor, you're going to be just the good. <laughs> that quarterback is going to be just the good enough to get you fired as a coach. Uh, but if you find that guy that has that it factor that's tough, that can get a player to play well around them. You know, he does all those things. And great Arm. And so if we do that then um, you know we got a chance. But man it's hard to find those guys at on campus and see what they you know see what you really got.
0: Uh Nat asked uh Curl, when is the last time you looked at a player from Mayo? Oh, from Mayo. Um
2: I don't know Valasa State I we were there that we was uh, looking at a little bit. Uh, that was last time I um, really we had a kid from there.
0: Where Where are you, by the way, right now? Do you still have a bag phone? Because I can hardly hear you. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm,
2: I'm up on the side of a mountain, Shane.
0: But do you have a real from, se- um, Remember that bag phone you used to have back in the day?
2: Dang, that was that. That was back when I first started. nobody else had a cell phone. But me, you
0: you didn't even have one. I know. You had a nice bag phone. Okay, real quick, last thing here. We got another question on the Titanomar text line. It says, Shane, I've heard of the crazy stats of kids that go into the transfer portal and don't get picked up by anyone. I think the stat last year, only 27% of the kids that went into the portal found a new home. What are the numbers for the Gators alone? And do you see them going as Gators, maybe getting picked up at a Western Carolina, for example? So that's a good question. You know, a lot of guys that go into that portal, obviously, they want to stay playing Power Five football, maybe go to Group of Five, but there's some that may fall through the cracks that can go play, you know, you may be interested in, but you're not just going to take a guy because he initially played with the Gators or Florida State or somebody like that if he doesn't fit your program. Just because they're there, they may not be good enough to play for you, right, Kerwin?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, what we do, so especially O line D line, that's where we've sort of, you know, been you know interested in players out of the portal. Yeah, you know, can get a hey, if you can get a power five or a G five guy, especially on the O line D line, that's a big difference. You know, a lot of time level. But again, you've got to make sure they fit what you you're doing you got to have a conviction again we don't just recruit players just because they from here or there they got to fit uh offensive line wise what we want which we want long uh just uh receivers we want fast guys we don't care about we're not looking for the six four guys that can out jump somebody we want guys that can flat out run and get in and out of routes and can drop their hips and run after the catch so there's particular type, type of guys we want and um like you say, listen. Listen. Everybody misses. We all miss the talent. So just because a kid at the University of Florida don't mean he can play. He can play very good. No, <laughs> um, but you, you you try to you know you you make sure you make sure that you you make sure you identify all those. Uh, if you do get a chance to pick up one of those guys, um, and he can play, it
0: really is going to help you. You know, help you as far as your talent level. All right, last question for you here, and and I've had. People all year long, especially Gator fans, they think Billy Napier needs to hire an offensive coordinator. They don't think he can be a head coach, coach quarterbacks, and call plays. And I said there's plenty of people around America doing that. You did it pretty much your entire career. I think now, though, you've kind of passed the buck to your son, Cade Bell, who, who calls the plays. Two-part question. Um, how difficult was that for you to let Cade take over? And secondly, it's – it's I don't want to say it's easy, but if that's what you've done your whole life is coach call plays and coach quarterbacks, it's not that big a deal. And I think Billy Napier does not need an offensive coordinator. Give me your thoughts on those.
2: Well, I, I think if, you know, he's done it now and he knows – he just don't have to put more time into it, right? Uh, there, when I was office coordinator and quarterback, uh, there was a lot of times I stayed at the office – Spent the night at the office, you know, because my quiet time was like 2 10, 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. when everybody else had left the building. So that's when I put together my game plan. Um, I don't have to do that as much now because, like you say, kicking it over. Uh, there's one thing, Shane, I think in the last two years, and that and it's helped me be a better coach on the sideline during games. Uh, but I was involved in that play sheet, right? That play sheet, man. I would get frustrated if we weren't doing, you know, moving the football offensively, and then matter what happened in the game, it was just that that play sheet wasn't working, you know. And I get so frustrated. And um, now I can see the game more and have a, I think, more of effect on, on what I want to get done in the game by getting rid of the play sheet. worry about that now. He gets frustrated when we don't when we don't score every play. So, um, but I think also the one thing I've noticed too. She, in two years, man. Hey, coach, we've got to go. Listen, I, I treat three free around our team, and so I went to more workouts off season than I've ever gone in my life. You know, when you're an OC, you got to go in and do off season breakdowns, and you're working on your get, you know, on your offense for next year and for film and seeing how much better, you know, can you improve? Uh, so you're involved in. Uh, this year, Cade, you know, they ran all the meetings. And so they were not fit. i option there some. Also, how to make sure our players got what they needed, um, that they were, you know, and uh, they understood that their coach was there, you know, fighting for them. And I think if you're going to build a program, like I say, you got to treat every one of them. These are free agents. They got to know that you care about them and that you're there and that you want them to be the best even during the off season and so I think the head coach you have to do a lot out of game plans outside of meetings there's so much more we've got to keep our our squad where we want it to be
0: yeah no doubt about it well Kerwin we appreciate you you taking the time uh, during the holiday season here to join our program Uh, we're going to have to make a call up there to Western Carolina University they need to put some more cell phone towers up so we can hear you better next time (laughs)
2: <laughs> we'll do it off the zoom next time i'll i'll be in my office i'm actually up so i'm um, i'm on side of a mountain, shane i'm up here at bear lake uh, i live right off of bear lake um we're out in the out in the woods a little bit you would love this up there shane you right up your yeah. your cup of tea
0: yep i'm gonna have to make make my trip up there to see the cattle mounds kerwin appreciate it my man happy holidays and happy new year we'll talk to you soon bud uh- all right, We'll see you. Bye. All right, that's Coach Kerwin Bell joining us on the Titan More hotline. Done a tremendous job everywhere he's been. Uh, we're going to take a timeout, come back, get to some of your comments and texts, and uh, wrap up this Tuesday edition. You're watching and listening to Pot Oak Matthews in the morning from the Crime Prevention Security Systems Studios. We'll be right back. We want to take this moment to thank our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. Our premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Titan MRI, Gainesville's only locally owned and operated MRI facility. Meldon Law, the only official injury and accident law attorneys of the Florida Gators. Peace Land Dental, Gator Nation's first choice for dentistry in Port Charlotte. Comfort Temp, comfort is our business, peace of mind is our promise. Campus USA Credit Union. QC Kinetics, live pain-free with QC Kinetics. Dave & Busters, eat, drink, play and watch. Our gridiron sponsors are Auto ER, UF Bookstores, Celebration Point Town Center, Chris Doring Mortgage, Silverback Concrete Co., Ruse Ogre State Farm Insurance, Doreen Whooby, Realtor, Caldwell Banker, M.M. Parish. Our touchdown sponsors are Adam's Ribs, Gator Domino's, Celebrate Primary Care, Gator Bait Media, Okito America, Style Cuts, Ironwood Golf Course, Big Mills Cheesesteak, McDonald's of Gainesville, 84 Lumber, Tropical Smoothie Cafe, Averin Smith, Dowling Signs, Baker's Sporting Goods, Silver Cube Billiards, and Sports Bar. If you're interested in promoting your business on the show, call Freddie at 352 284 3733. If you like what we're doing here, make sure to follow us and support the businesses that support. Pro football legend Emmett Smith understands your joint pain. It does not surprise me that there are a ton of people out there that's in pain. That's why Emmett is such a proponent of QC Kinetics, offering real lasting joint pain
1: relief with non-surgical, all-natural biologic treatments. Whether it's a joint pain, ankle
2: pain,
0: shoulder pain, neck pain, back pain, hip pain, any kind of pain, the body eventually will break down when it's under that much stress.
1: That stress can cloud your judgment. To the point that you'll just say yes to the scalpel or yes to another prescription of pain pills. But maybe it's time for a second opinion from QC Kinetics.
0: The reason why I would recommend this is because the natural biologics that QC Kinetics is providing you gives your body a chance to naturally heal itself.
1: Restorative, regenerative solutions are here. Get lasting relief and live your
0: life. Call QC Kinetics, 352-400-4550. That's 352-400-4550. QC Kinetics.
2: 352 400
0: 4550. Welcome back to the Crime Prevention Security System Studios. Large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Ruse Ogre State Farm Office is a team of dedicated insurance professionals ready to help life go right with the right insurance options for you and your family. Visit ogreninsurance.com. Give them a call at 352 240 1779. I want to thank Hayes Carline and Coach Kerwin Bell for joining us on the TitanMore Hotline This Day in Sports, which is brought to you by our good friends at Comfort Temp. Comfort is our business. Peace of mind is our promise. Beat the summer heat schedule. Your air conditioners tune up today, keeping you chill in the Florida heat far away. Comfort Temp Heating and Air. Call us today at 352-376-2366. This Day in Sports, 1991, the Cincinnati Bengals hire Dave Shula. As the youngest NFL coach at age 32, the son of Don Shula. Uh, that didn't last very long. But could you imagine coaching the national football league at 32 years old? That's crazy. That's brought to you by our good friends at Comfort Town. Uh, college Bowl season. We had somebody uh, asking about uh, Bowling Green, uh, Camden Orth, who came off the bench. He's the backup quarterback at Bowling Green. Uh, went to Buchholz a few years ago. Uh, played pretty well yesterday. Uh, today you have one, two, four games. You got the Camellia Bowl, Buffalo, and Georgia Southern. The First Responder Bowl, Memphis, and Utah State at three fifteen at six forty five. Coastal Carolina, Eastern Car- East Carolina, and then a nightcap. There's no way I'll be able to watch this at ten fifteen when it tip kicks off. Wisconsin and Oklahoma State. So uh, right in the the bowls are heating up now. Uh, Got the national championship, 14 playoff, or yeah, that's Saturday, this Saturday, folks. Um, Greg says, what kind of interaction did you have with Kerwin? How did you meet? Okay, so Kerwin uh, was a graduate assistant in 1990 at the University of Florida under Coach Spurrier. Kerwin had played uh, in the Canadian League, uh, the World League, went back to school, So Spurrier gave him a graduate assistant job. So I was with Kerwin a whole year at meetings and stuff, and he's one of my closest friends. And um, he runs Spurrier's offense uh, with a little bit of NFL from Lindy Infante for his days at the Colts. Uh, Really good football coach, excellent football coach. Knows quarterback play very, very well. So uh, we've been good friends. He and I used to do what we call the swamp shooters in the offseason when we were younger. Um, it was a fundraiser for high school programs throughout the state of Florida, and I think in about six or seven years we helped raise close to four or five hundred thousand dollars for athletic programs. Where we would bring former Gator uh, football players to play in a charity basketball game, and uh, so Kerwin and I started the Swamp Shooters back in the day. That was a lot of fun. Uh, Mark asks here, Shane, who do you think wins the awful NFC South: the Bucks or the Panthers? I think the Panthers are a better football team, quite honestly. I don't know the entire scenario. How I know they play this week, but I think the Panthers have – I, I don't know the scenario. Um, but, boy, if the Panthers were to win the South after firing their coach uh, mid season, wouldn't that be something? Uh, John said, wasn't Lane Kiffin 31 when Al Davis, I think he was 35, but you may be right. Uh, actually, my buddy Cooper Carlisle uh, was – was an offensive lineman on that team, but I thought he was 35, but I could be wrong. Uh, Todd says the WCU catamounts are on the move. Yes, they are. Uh, Appreciate you listening, Todd. And um, Scott says he loved the swamp shooters. Yeah, that was, we were like the globetrotters. Art says, Shane, what is holding Kerwin back from a job like UF? Uh, He's always been a head coach everywhere he's been. And once you're being a head coach, it's hard to work for somebody else. Uh, he left Valdosta State, which was probably not the smartest thing to do, he would tell you, uh, off the record. And when was the offensive coordinator that one year for Charlie Strong at South Florida. And what's crazy is he had better players offensively, better skilled players, just better overall talent at Valdosta State than he did at South Florida. And uh, that they were there one and done. So. Um, Anyway, I hope, uh, hope you enjoyed today's program. And tomorrow we'll have JC and Mike Morgan get Mike's thoughts on uh, college athletics, basketball's heating up. I think the Gators play tomorrow, play the Auburn Tigers in the first SEC game. Greg says, who was the better basketball player, Kerwin or Shane? Uh, uh, me, of course. I, I I was the best shooter on the team, clearly. Uh, Kerwin, Kerwin liked to back people down. And uh, he was more of an inside player, but... Hope you enjoyed today's program. Uh, Be safe out there, folks. We'll see you tomorrow. Take care.